when you draw a line in the sand, it doesn't matter what political affiliation or religious affiliation that you have, they still have hair that needs to be cut or lashes that that can be beautified. So it's like by drawing that line in the sand, you're really saying, this is the kind of person that I will not work on. Why would you do that? You're cutting half the country out of your business all of a sudden. Or more, depending on what your belief system is. Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. (laughs) It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for, like, McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, onto our show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I I can't do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, they panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast, your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're excited to bring you another podcast that we were recently on, and that is Strategies Podcast. It's a new one, guys, and it's one I want you to definitely go over and check out. Why? Well, because we're the biggest fans in the world of Strategies because they really have some amazing systems that if you have a team, you have anyone on your team, even a couple people, it will revolutionize the way you run your salon. And it's how we ran our salon. And I know Shelby from Lash Boss Radio also uses their, uh, their whole systems. They're amazing. And now they have a podcast where they share and the, all their stuff as well as interview people in the industry. So it's called the Beauty Business Strategies Podcast. And it's going to be basically, I'll put the show notes here. I'll put a link to it. And we were on it recently. And it was exciting for us. We got to talk about really about industry stuff, kind of trends, what's going on. Um, we bagged on social media a little bit. Yeah, the, th- the very thing that we make a living doing, we bagged. But we, we give you some insights and some thoughts on that. So you definitely want to wait around and check that out. But before that, we have announcements. And first off, guys, we want to say thank you to everyone who basically bought the tickets at LashCon because we're sold out. I'm sorry to tell you, but there is no more tickets. But there's another way for you to come. First, you can come virtually. And really, in the end, while the parties and networking are great, what's really going to change your business is the information, the teaching, the speakers, all that. And that's still available to you. It's just virtual. And it's a lot cheaper. Instead of spending maybe a couple thousand dollars between airfare, hotel, food, tickets, and all that stuff, now you just paid $197. Guys, we lowered it even more this year. We really want to get all of you in as much as possible. $197. Now, that's just till now, between now and September 5th, and the price goes up 50 bucks. But you have a month right now to save up your money and go buy that ticket, 197. You'll get to watch it, everything live. All the speakers will be live. And then we will need a few days to get everything uploaded. But then you can watch the replay of everything over like 60 days. It's, yeah, 60 days, two months, we're going to have it up for you. So this is really now your best way. And we have one more incentive for you. Because I know there's a few people that reach out to me so they can't come. So we're going to sell those tickets. And the good news is we're going to do it as a lottery, which means 
we're going to basically, hey, if you want to buy a ticket, submit your name, and then we're going to pick names out of the hat because we only have a few. And then those few people get selected can buy the ticket. But the first people that get dibs to buy that ticket will be anyone who's bought a virtual ticket. So if you bought a virtual ticket, you can upgrade to a live ticket, possibly, right? Let's just say we get like 50 people buying tickets virtual. And basically we do the drawing. And now that we pick the three names and you all have a chance to buy a VIP ticket. And then if you say no, then we move to the next pool and we do it again, right? So anyhow, the best way for you to get in right now is doing that. Buy the virtual and hope you can get the upgrade to the VIP or standard ticket if we have any of those around the cell. And those will be as they come. So I know already I have a few VIPs and we're going to do that in a few weeks. So go buy that ticket now. Don't wait till afterwards and hopefully you can get the upgrade. That'd be really cool. What else do we have going on? Well, my team wants you to be posting stuff so that we can repost it, but you have to tag us. So if you make a reel, if you make a post, whatever it is on Instagram, please make sure you tag us. And if we like it, not, well, I wouldn't say like it because we like all your stuff, but if it fits with what we need because we can't just post everything every day, we'll feature you, which of course will help build up your audience and it helps us, all right? So we want to co-share and, and, and support each other. So make sure um, you create those reels or even on TikTok. We have an account on TikTok. You can share that with us and we'll go out there and hopefully... Not, I can't promise everyone, but we'll do our best to get as much of you out there and promote as many of you. Also, guys, Last Year Awards are up and going. If you're a Lash artist and you have a business, you need to apply for Lash Awards. We are honoring both solopreneurs, people who work for themselves, as well as salon owners. Two categories. You fit into one of those, most likely. I know some of your employees, God bless you. We love you. In fact, you know, you, got, you know, we, we love employees, but... We, we don't have a category for you yet. Maybe one year. But for now, these are for the salon owners or business owners or solopreneurs. So go to the link in the bio. Go sign up today. It's only 75 bucks, And just plan to spend a few hours writing some essays. And you might be honored and recognized in front of all your peers at LashCon and online. And get all the accolades and call yourself an award-winning salon. It's a great opportunity, and you don't want to miss it. If you haven't really don't know the details, back, go back a couple episodes, and you'll see that we did a whole episode explaining the last year awards. And I think that, oh, Tesla's last retention class coming up right quick here. We have one, a couple spots in Indianapolis, then we're in Vegas. Uh, that's uh, 6th and 7th, Vegas, 27th, 28th. Boston, November 19th, 20th, and Los Angeles, December 3rd and 4th. All right, that's all I have for announcements. Now let's get into the interview where Michael Yost, the president of strategy, sits down with Tustin and I, and we end up talking about industry shifts, trends, and our favorite subject, social media. My name is Michael Yost. Excited to be with you one more time for another great conversation. Again, these aren't interviews, these are conversations. And today we are joined by the awesome Paul and Tussany Lubers. How are you guys? We are so excited to be here, Michael. We are like fanboys or fangirls and boys, I guess. We're fangirls so, and fanboys. Yeah, just to hang out with you and chat and have a conversation. Yes. We're- I love it. And again, we are in the same way for those listening in it's been years of friendship and years of business camaraderie and things over the course of time. Just real quick before we get into it and we start fanboying and fangirling too much over one another, <laughs> just to let everyone listening in that is not familiar with Paul and Tusney, I will tell you this right now. 
You want to talk about influencers. You want to talk about a voice in the industry and the beauty industry. We are definitely uh, talking to two heavyweights, especially in the world of lashing. And I got to tell you, like I said, if you are not familiar with Lashcast podcast, and like I said, if I am correct, as we were talking a little bit in the pregame, would you say the largest lash conference in the world? Yeah, we're, we're at, world. at 500 last year. This year, we're going to double that. It looks like we're going to have like a thousand people come to it. We're just lash. Lash exactly. industry only. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And so again, for those listening in, if you're picking up the fact that, yeah, Paul and Tussany are, are specific into the lash industry, but again, they are part of the beauty industry and got a lot of great insight in general and overall and a lot of great things we're going to talk about today. Before we do, though, actually, I mean, we've kind of introduced you in a way, but Paul and Tustin, you want to give any more little introduction about yourselves? Let's give you a little platform to do that. Yeah. Well, I've been doing lashes for a long time. 17 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> an OG. Um, yeah, OG lash artist. Yeah. I still love it. I still lash every day. Um, yeah. I love working with he's really the events part and, and keeps my creative energies focused. Otherwise, we really wouldn't have a business. We'd be building, <laughs> we would say dollhouses. Yeah. When that's not what we need to be building right now. Basically, my job is I came in, we ran a salon for 13 years in the beauty industry. So we ran Tigri Lash. We were a strategies um, a client, actually. And it was the company that changed everything for us. And we basically did that and loved being in this industry. I originally worked the film industry, jumped over. She was doing so much amazing work with Integrity. I decided I need to join her and go with the winning team. So I did that. And then we closed our business 2019 just prior to COVID. Thank God for us. It would have been hard. I have so much empathy for those salon owners who stuck it out and, and just fought through that time. But then we moved more into the event stuff. We started our podcast. So we're helping artists, lash artists primarily with our podcast. But it's really about business in general as well as some lashing. And then we also started our lash conference also in 2019. We've been doing that for three years in our fourth year and uh we do webinars trainings around the country and all that so yeah it's been a blast we love this new business that we built the last few years it's really been fun because it's mainly just us two hanging out working together love it so as we get into our conversation today i think one of the coolest things is this you talked about how you guys have been part of this industry specifically in the last world and i think what's really interesting is though is that you have a lot of great insight into the industry, the beauty industry in general. Because again, we're talking about people that, again, maybe they're specifically only two lashes, or maybe they offer those services in their companies. And it doesn't matter the setup, whether they're independent or are part of a company or whatnot. But I got a question for you about the industry in general, especially from your point of view. What do you really consider? And, and let's, I mean, again, I'm not going to put any time frame to this, but what would you consider, if I said to you, what's the greatest shift that you see in our industry over the past couple of years or just however, whatever time frame you want to use with that, what do you see as one of the greatest shifts in our industry in recent, let's say, memory? Well, I think the big one for us is really that we're in the aftermath of COVID right now, right? And that just scarred a lot of people. Well, it was a huge disruptor. It yeah. really changed immediately the way things, you know, people had to make money. So people were at home, and this is always shifting, at least in this lash industry. I saw this shift begin to happen probably around 2016, 2017. I started seeing more and more people using influence, Instagram, podcasting, YouTube, all these different meat tools we now have to really leverage that if they're good at it and throw their voice out there and build followings and begin to 
monetize that in some ways. And there are certain people like Gary Vee that had huge influence in pushing that. A lot of people start finding him and other social media gurus who really were like, you should build your business, stop working for other people. So we started seeing that trend like five, six years ago. But then COVID shows up and just pours gasoline on everything and just takes what maybe was going to take in there five, 10 years, who knows how long. But it's just like overnight, everyone's like, I need to make money now and I need to make money at home. Traditional beauty services, especially like California, where we were shut down for eight months, could not do services. And even if you could, then you had to do it outside in the parking lot. <laughs> so it was like right. really pathetic. That was clean and sanitary. So anyhow, that said, we really seen people jump ahead of line. Like people usually used to be, right, you went to beauty school. You had to go and be, a, you know, work in a salon, get trained, be um, shampoo, sh- yeah. uh, sweep the floor. Yeah. You had to apprentice. Pay your dues, right? Assist. Assist. Pay your dues. And then maybe you move up the chain and eventually maybe you get to be a hairstylist, lead stylist. Maybe you can start training. Maybe you get to be a brand representative in some major brand and go to IBS and cut on the, on the floor or something like that. And this all took years of hard work, dedication, and networking. Now... That's not really needed in the same way. Now you can like, I'm really good at social media. I'm really funny. I'm really good. Whatever you call it, Instagram, YouTube, I can edit. I can do all this stuff and I can build a following. I don't need to have any credentials. I don't even have to be good at my craft. I can just be really good at communicating and selling myself online. And all of a sudden you have instant influence, you have followers and you have people line up around the block to pay you money to have you come speak or have you teach or train or buy their products or buy their coaching. And on the good side, this is exciting because I think more access has been given to the world. More people whose voices maybe were silenced now have access to say things. It lowers the barriers to entry. But on the other side, what's challenging is, is that you can have somebody who is establishing themselves as an authority, but really doesn't necessarily have the goods in terms of business experience or coaching experience. They haven't built those systems themselves. They may be saying good information in the sense, like, for example, like they learn to swim in a book. And they're giving you those they're same really principles <laughs> from on how to swim from a book. But we all know that learning to swim from a book and actually being in the water is two, two different, things. different things. So there's that, right? There's that downside. So we now have, and God bless them. I see in our industry a lot, these young kids. And if anyone's listening, I love you. It's not that I don't like you. But man, you, it's like you have been dating for six months and now you're giving people marriage advice. So he's just referencing there's an acquaintance that started doing lashes, but didn't even get licensed. Yeah. And then began, like we met with a real go-getter, real great personality. And we're just kind of giving her some guidance, mentoring along the way. Two months later, she's thinking about just very baby steps. But like two months later, she's launched this program on how to do your business. And she's not even licensed. Yeah. It's like, okay, she's great marketer. Great. You know, kudos to you. But at the same time, you got to have the goods, right? And that's problematic because now we have a lot of people... And they're trying to make a living. I don't blame them, right? They're, the COVID hits. They haven't made money. They've been broke. And they're just like trying to think outside the box. How can I make money again? I know I can coach. I can train. I can do these other things online, monetize, sell stuff. So I get it. It's survival mode. We got to do what we got to do to survive. But I think that's a negative impact. It's going to hurt people who are following, listening, who are new to the industry and don't know better. They haven't seen someone like Michael from Strategies teaching things that have been tried and true for like 25 plus years. They're trying out someone who just got new on the block six months ago and was really good at Instagram and built a following. And while you, I think there's always something you can learn. It doesn't matter where you are in your stage of life. 
I still feel like for the big things, you really want to make sure you're hitching your wagon to someone who's been down the road and done it before you so that you at least have a little bit more surety. You're not wasting your time and money on just a a whim or an idea or a cool opportunity, but with no substance behind it. So I know that's a long answer, but hopefully that that gives you, that's one of the things that we feel like has really seen a big shift in the last few years. Right. I think that's a great answer just because I think it does encapsulate extremely well what the industry has gone through in all facets. Everything you just shared there is there's so much connection to every aspect of our industry, not exclusive to any one particular area or person. So I think that's great insight that you just shared. So speaking of staying in our industry and kind of questioning around their industry is you notice a lot of the changes. You've seen a lot of the shifts, especially in these last couple of years. But right now, then, as we look at our industry right now, where do you think our industry gets distracted and with stuff that really shouldn't be distracted by? You know, there's always that shiny thing, right? There's always that like, ooh, shiny, and we, we waste time on these things. It's almost like me watching TV where I'll just stop by someplace for a while and be like, next thing you know, look up and it's 45 minutes later. I'm like, what am I even watching? Why am I even here? Kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. I think our industry does similar things where it's like we get distracted by stuff that we think is really, really important. But the big picture is maybe not so much. What do you see our industry distracted by? I think there's two things that we were talking about. Yeah, and we're going to sound like a broken record here. Like, you're going to think when we're done with this talk, like, Paul and Tess hate social media. They hate Instagram. They hate all these people. By the way, that's how we make our living. (laughs) It's like, really, social media, we're really big with our podcast. That's how we drive our dollars. So please hear us. We're not bagging on it. It's the way it's being used. It's one facet of it. And one way that I think that people get really distracted and it's really hard because you can really be passionate about this, uh, personal causes or political affiliations or, you But know. using Instagram and social media and those tools to determine or to spout off your positions in the world, when you're building a business, not a, a political machine that's out there to change the world. Yes, I understand. The younger generation, we're Gen Xers. I know that millennials, they have a high value system. This is not a bad thing. They're like They want to buy and support companies that- they believe in that they can trust and want, and this might be just a general human thing, but it seems like the younger generation really, this is a much higher value than it was for older generations. And that's fine. But at the same time, if you're trying to grow a business and you're trying to build bridges and connections and community, the worst way to do that is to draw lines in the sand. You can't be in my club unless you think like I do. Yeah, And I'm going to post stuff online. And then one or two things are going to happen. I'm going to judge you for how you react to me. Like you didn't like my posts. You didn't like my social cause. You didn't like my political view. And now I'm going to just talk not, not done with you. I'm going to exclude you and unfollow you. I'll cut you out of my life. Or the other way around what they see you do, then they judge you for what you posted, what you did and, or what, or what you didn't post. Like, why didn't you support these causes? Why didn't you put up the Ukrainian flag on your website right now? Why aren't you doing these things? You must hate Ukrainians. When, when did that become the job of a business? My personal stuff, we're very active in things and we support things that we believe in, but my business is about serving a community. My purpose of my business is, to help people, especially right now, with grow their business and be better and more efficient slash artists. My job isn't to save Ukraine. I will do my things privately to help them. But 
And by the way, when does this all end? I mean, I almost feel like every six months we have a new cause that everyone has to take up the flag, replace their logo with, and support. And if you don't, I mean, it's just a non-endless search for a purpose. Like, there must be something bigger than me, so I, I'll sort these causes, which is true. But I don't think our business should be the way to do that. I think you personally do it. You believe, you pay, you support, you rally, you do all those things, and let your business focus on the one thing it needs to focus on, and that's growing, serving your community, and being profitable so you don't go out of business, and then you also have to go find a job somewhere else where maybe you don't have enough money to support the causes that you believe in. And you don't want to alienate people by drawing a line in the sand because if you're a lash artist, a makeup artist, a hairdresser, a med spa, whatever, when you draw a line in the sand, it doesn't matter what political affiliation or religious affiliation that you have, they still have hair that needs to be cut yeah. or, or lashes that, that can be beautified. So it's like by drawing that line in the sand, you're really saying, this is the kind of person that I will not work on. Why would you do that? You're cutting half the country out of your business all or of a sudden. Or more than that. Or more, knows, depending you know? on what your belief system is. And I think what's happening is we live in a world now where I think a lot more empathy. We need a lot more empathy for each other and a lot more understanding, and a lot and more grace. conversations and grace for each other. Because if we don't have those for each other, then we are going to continue to divide farther and farther apart and hate each other and find reasons to demonize each other and call each other Hitler and all these horrible things. And then we're going to lose what we have, a community, our country, what we've been so blessed with as Americans. So I just feel like we waste way too much time with social causes on our businesses, not personally. Do whatever you want personally. Businesses focus on serving your community and make, and, and building a business that can be a profit. And then the second one was okay. social media. And this one's big. You want to? Well, yeah. What I think that it takes a lot of soul. It takes a lot of energy. It sucks the life out of you. Sometimes we look at other people's Instagram and people are really into posting their success and I guess showing other people or what kind of amazing places or they're cars going they to, have or, or what kind of amazing physique that they have. And it's really nothing to do with the business. And, and, and it's like showing off a new pair of shoes or a new handbag or something like that. What is the motivation for that? How does that build your business to create envy in other people? I guess maybe business coaches do that because they say, look how successful no, I am. Totally what they do. I want you to be this successful. Well, it's just using social media for all the wrong purposes on both ends. On the one end, there's people creating content and not really serving their community or their audience. If you hear that, that's something that we really emphasize. You need to serve your community. You need to care about your community. If you want to do well in life, you need to serve and care for those people. And then in return, you will benefit from that. But you got to be the first one to start that. So people out there just using social media as a way to brag or say how awesome I am or how rich I am. But half the time, it's all on credit cards. It's all fake and it's all made up. Who knows? So it's not my job to figure that out. But I'm just saying, it's, like, trust me, I know enough of these people I've seen. I've been friends with some people that have done that. And it's not all what it looks like. And then on the other side, I love to say this. To people. I did this when I worked in the film industry. Stop consuming, start producing. Because too many of us are spending hours of our life looking at other people and sitting there secretly envying, secretly hating yourself or, too. Or judging your own worth yeah. and somebody else's aspirational stuff. You don't know if it's real or not. Even if it is, it's like that has nothing to do with your own worth. No. And people, what they do is they see other people's highlights and then they judge their life based upon their lowlights, right? They look at themselves and go, man, my life sucks. I don't have all these cool things that these other people do. So your own value decreases because you're based all on the fake premise that all that you see on social media is real. And so you feel worse as a person. And I mean, people literally spend two, three, four hours a day. Imagine if you get, say, two hours a day and put that in your business, 
you'd have what 10 hours a week back. You'd have hundreds, you know, so much time back in your life that you can focus on actually building value and serving your community versus envying what everyone else is doing. But what you just said is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's like, would you like some hard tack and gruel? Yeah. Or would you like to like Candy. delight your soul by looking at morsels of delight? People magazine, you know what I mean? It's like bright pictures and that is so much easier to do and more delightful than the hard tacking girl. And also we know now with social media, it hits your dopamine receptors. You get all these hits that makes you feel good. You likes, people pursue likes, they pursue reshares, all the comments and feedback and all that does nothing for them. what does that do for you in your real life and your business, the likes and the comments? I mean, it's just like accolades that really don't translate into real happiness. We just did an episode on our podcast where we talked about if you're going to do Instagram, you better have a strategy for it. Don't just do posts just to get likes and get followers because that doesn't make you money. It doesn't get, a lot of these salon owners are so focused on Instagram and, and posts and doing this stuff. And it's like, it brings you no return because your number one way of getting clients is through referrals, right? So maybe you should focus on referral programs. Maybe you need to work on more on wow and customer service so people want reviews on Google and on Yelp so more people read about and they refer it. That's going to go so much faster than you posting, you doing dance videos on Instagram and TikTok 5,000 people viewed my video. Yeah, but know what? 99% of them don't even live in your community. They live all over the United States and who cares? No one's flying to your place to get their hair done. That just doesn't happen. So you're right. just a lot of energy. It reminds me of the story of the kid in high school who was so desperate to make friends that he bought a carton of cigarettes and just stood in the the yard and just handed out cigarettes to everybody. And there was a line of kids around the block, but as soon as there was no more cigarettes, they all left. And it's like, what's the point? It's almost like ashes in your mouth. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Right. I love that you brought, I mean, it just kind of processing everything that you just shared there. So much good stuff in there, you know, especially when you made this statement, Paul, when you said stop consuming and start producing, that really encapsulates everything you've been sharing even up to this point, which is a lot of times we just get out there and we just consume a lot of stuff or we put out stuff just for only for consumption purposes. You know, it's a one way street like you were sharing. It's like, hey, it's great that you got a new thing, right? Whether that thing's a, uh, like I said, a, a new handbag or a new car, or you got this or got that. But that's more consumption related. But what are we doing that really puts something out there that produces something? And especially we're on we're you know, the conversation and this whole podcast are all centered around as we think about our businesses, being aware of the fact that what are we doing in our businesses that help us to produce instead of being distracted by things that are more just consumption related. So I love that. This leads me to my next question. It's actually kind of like a two-parter. It's the same question, but phrased differently. And since since I got two of you, I'm going to split it right down the middle. So (laughs) Tessany, I'm going to start with you. And then I'm going to rephrase the question just ever so slightly for Paul. So for Tessany, it's like, hey, you know what? You're sitting there, this kind of perfect place that we are too, even with this conversation right now. You're sitting across the table, you know, you're having some coffee from another business leader, business owner. And what's the one thing that you want to share with them? Again, you're across the table. What's one thing you'd love to be able to share with a business owner, leader, someone listening to this podcast right now that you're like, I'd really like to share this with you. What would you give them? The most important thing that I'd like to say is, as the conversation winds, is that 
their value, their success in their business is not tied to their value as a human being. And it's easy for us as go-getters to really focus on the business and it becoming our identity. It's like how we introduce ourselves to people. It's like, you know, what do you do? I'm a business owner. I run this business. And, and it's really easy to think that that is who you are. But I think it's really important um, to be able to separate the who you are from what you do. And that way, there's always challenges. There's always failures in business. When those failures come, to be able to separate your identity from the business and to be able to still see your value in who you are is not tied to what you do. And I think that that's a hang up when, when people get into challenges that it's, it's almost like a, a hole or like a cave that you can't get out of when challenges come. It's just a confusion about identity. All right. That's great insight. I love the insight that you bring there, Tusney. So, Paul, the part two of the question is, and the way I'm going to just change it up is, all right, we're at that same table, right? We're having yeah. that same cup of coffee. Well, Tusney just shared the one thing, you know, like, hey, what would you share with them? What's the one thing as you're sitting there that you hope they share with you? For me, one of the things that's most interesting when I get to talk to someone and learn, I love to hear people's stories. And I love to hear how they got to where they were. Because I know that in that journey, there's been ups and there have been downs, there have been pains, there have been suffering, there's been difficulties, there's been amazing moments, highlights. And one of my favorite podcasts is How I Built This by Guy Raz. Guy Raz. Guy, Guy Raz. Um, <laughs> I love this podcast. If anyone not, has not listened to it, it is it's, the it's most so inspirational podcast for me because you get to hear all these big movers and shakers and you get to hear the worst moments. The failures. Oh my gosh. And that's what shapes us, right? Is these failures. Yeah. So I love to hear people's stories. Like, tell me how you got where you are today. And by the way, do not sugarcoat it. I don't want to know. It's been great. Everything's been easy. There's always a cakewalk because yeah, I know we're yeah, human yeah. beings. That's not true. There's been low moments because those are the where I'm going to learn. That's how I'm going to see. How did you get through that? How did you shift? How did you change? Which mindsets did you have to work through? What financial craziness did you have to do magic almost to get your get things through and find a way to get there. That's the stuff I love to hear and see. And it helps me then encourage me to know that I'm not alone, yeah. that my struggle is not unique, and that there have been many people before me who have forged this through this fire and through this Forged path. through the failure. Yeah. And so for me, that's where I, I love getting that. And in fact, that's part of the reason why we love our podcast is we get to talk to people and not always, but sometimes we have to hear some of the horror stories. And that's always helpful, encouraging to our audience as well as to us. Yeah, just the idea that you're tapping into something that's real there. Because we can learn from so many different sources. I can learn from some great success and I can pick out some nuggets there, but I can also learn from people when something didn't go the way that we had intended it, you know, through some of those failure pieces as well. So I think that's fantastic. So I'm looking down my list of pre-done questions in my mind that I want to ask and things like that. And, you know, I'm never going to get to all of them for sure. Because uh, we're just, again, this is already too good. We're going to have to have a part two to this. This is how eventually I'm going to get to your level, Paul and Tusney, where I'm doing like a couple hundred podcasts. Uh, so someday I'll be able to, to, to say that same thing. But as we start to look at this discussion so far, I've, what's the one thing that as you look, and I think the perfect question here is, 
We talked about things we're distracted with. We talked about the things that maybe we waste some time with. We, we sat down with that cup of coffee and said, here's what I hope someone shares with me. But let's get ourselves a little bit forward thinking. So the question I want to follow with this is, all right, so as you see trends, good and bad, happening in our industry, but as you see things, what does excite you most about, let's say, the next 12 to 24 months in the future? What excites you most about the, I'll call it the near future? I think right now, and this is the flip coin of what we were saying earlier, is because of social media, more people are connected and, and really communicating with each other than ever before because of Zoom, because of all these tools that we have. And because of that, I think we're going to see more and more partnerships, more people finding ways to collaborate that who in the past couldn't because, oh, you guys are East Coast. We're West Coast, which but we're better. But that said, it's just one of those things that was really... I caught that, by the way, Paul. Oh, you I, did? Oh, you didn't I, catch yeah, that. Yeah, I caught that. <laughs> I just it's super cool to see these opportunities because it would have been so hard to collaborate before because one, seeing faces just makes it easier to talk, communicate, work through things. But then you have all these tools that we can use with programming, scheduling, planning. That's all online. You can share calendars. You can do all this stuff now that makes really it seamless where you can build something together but not have to be in the same room anymore. And I think that's a super exciting opportunity to see what are we going to do in the beauty industry before that we couldn't have done before? What type of tools that support tools will people come up with? I see more people come up with software, apps, little things. Some are horrible, some are amazing, but that's life, right? You're going to have to work through the good, bad, and the ugly until you find what really works. But to me, that's something I hope and see more. So it's really weird because on one end, I'm all demonized like, oh, these newbies, these young kids out there, whippersnappers, you know, going out there, creating influence and doing things before they should. But of course, like any good, bad thing in life, there's usually the opposite side. Like, well, if that tool is used right, though, it's like the most powerful tool of all time that will do more to help our industry and help further beauty professionals, both in their customer service training, things like learning how to do onboard with like your guys' ITP program. All these things now are so much doable because of the media tools and all the stuff that we have before. And just to dovetail on that, I think also it fosters relationships. And yeah. one thing that I'm super excited about and I just love about specifically the lash industry is how open I think lash artists are to connecting with other lash artists. I think it's because it's so new that there's not a lot of defensiveness and there's just an eagerness and an almost like a hunger to have lash friendships because it's just not as common as hairdressing or nails. And so there's just an openness and a willingness to say, hey, will you be my friend? And that's a special community. Yeah. So community, really. I mean, after two years being locked away from each other, right? Now, I think really a big push is for that. And now using these tools that we really kind of were grown in the pandemic, now these tools can be used in really productive, helpful ways. So that's exciting. We've talked more in the last two years than you we, beforehand, just because of all the things that we have now. And it's just an exciting time for me, or us in the future. No, you're exactly right. I mean, it is. It's that high collaboration. You mentioned it, I think, earlier, either in kind of some of the conversation that we're having before we, we officially started the recording. I can't remember where it was. I know you made reference to the fact that what's kind of happened over these past couple of years and going through COVID and all that was it accelerated a lot of areas. You mentioned the idea of online shopping. We were going there anyway, like you gave the great example. It took something that might have been eight to 10 years away from us and it compressed it into two years. And now we're yeah. there. We accelerated in a way. I think that same thing, I think that is one of the you know, while certainly what we just survived in the whole pandemic and where we are at this stage of the game with it and whatnot, 
is certainly puts us in a different place. But I think one of the positives that have come out of it is this idea of stronger collaboration. And again, the tools by which we can do that, we've all adapted to much quicker because we've had to. And I think that is very exciting for our industry and how we can interact and how we can reach people. As you think about these changes, as you start thinking about introduction of change, right? We're going to introduce some change. We're going to introduce some new things, you know, and again, I'm interested to hear your, both of your perspectives on this. Cause again, Tustin, I know you do a lot of hands-on training. I know you do a lot of workshop type things and we're asking people to do maybe some different skills or different components like that. Maybe you come at it from that angle. And Paul, I know you've got a, a whole different brain working toward this question, but when it comes to change, how do you begin to introduce change to those you might be working with, whether it's through the podcast and the thousands of people you reach there and introducing some new thoughts and ideas that way, or whether it might be just one-on-one in just some workshop. But how do you introduce change? Specifically with skills, Lash Industry does lashes like specifically one way only. And I'm trying to completely change a paradigm. And in order to do that, I have to give a bird's eye view of a different perspective. And it's from everything through the basic, from the way that you're looking at the lashes, so the landscape. So I have to take this landscape that they see normally and say, this is your hand positions that you normally do. And this is what we're going to do. It's a complete 180. So everything looks different. The landscape, what you're looking at, what your eye is on, you know, when kids are learning baseball, you know, we're always saying to them, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on the ball. Now I'm going to show them where to look differently and then like where to put their hands. And it's a complete different perspective. Um, But you have to break it down piece by piece and show them that different perspective. So, you know, and and, and then you got to show them the benefits of it too. Yeah, I think for me, because at our core, and this is actually something I remember we learned this at Strategies, is people hate change, right? Employees hate change. It's like, oh my right. gosh, anything but change. Like, burn down the building. That, 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 well, that would be change. But anyhow, that said, just don't change things. Keep it as is. I'd rather have this horrible life that I don't like than the potential life that could be worse than that, right? So it's really a weird human nature thing. But that said, I, I always think for us, especially when we're teaching, trying to help people with their business and all that, I'm always like trying to find what's the pain point? Where are you suffering right now? Where is the worst thing in your life going on? And then you just really rub it in. You just rub salt on that wound, right? You just say, okay, you hate this about your salon. You hate this about your life, whatever it is. All right, now I'm going to really push on a light on it. And we're going to say, what if you, you just... That never changes. What if that's permanent for the rest of your life? How miserable is that going to create for you? And they're going, well, that's going to be horrible. It's going to be, I, in fact, this is the thing I hate. I want it to go away. Say, well, then what if you don't change it? But what if you did change it? What would, could the future be? And you'd start painting new scenarios. And then maybe some of those are bad. <laughs> but maybe if they're not such a negative person, well, maybe some other ones are actually pretty good. And you begin to see the opportunities that, that are ahead of them. Like, okay. Maybe if we just leave it as as you know, this is going to continue to be the worst thing in your life. So if we did pivot, if we did shift a little bit and maybe with some coaching or some good input from some wise people, but down the road before you, we can help change that trajectory and get you to a place that will bring at least some joy and some happiness, or at least where you can not hate it as much. And then all you need after that is like, okay, if you can win them over emotionally, because you're all dealing with the heart now, you're not really dealing with numbers and facts and systems and programs. These are heart issues because unless their heart is in 
it, unless they want to do it, unless they, there's a real drive inside, you're going to slap a Band-Aid on and quit. There's going to be no more. I don't care. I'm not going to try anymore because it's too much work. So you have to paint that new perspective. Yeah. And then once you do that, then you just show them the how. Like, okay, so now that you've gone here, you've seen how bad it is, you acknowledge that, and you see there is possibilities, you see pathways out of that. I'm here to help you, to show you how to get out of that, and then we can try it. By the way, it's a process, so it's not overnight. It's not just one size fits all. It's everyone has their own path, their own journey. So it may change. It may shift a little bit. But that's, for me, how you get them there. Because unless you do that, unless people don't generally change unless they just absolutely hate what they're doing. It's like, you know, you always hear the term bottom out, right? Like alcoholics. You got to let them bottom out before they stop drinking. Because until then, they don't really see a need to do it. Their life isn't that bad. They're managing. They're dealing with it. But if you let them bottom out. So that's why I think really focusing on the bad and the negative at first and really almost like exploiting that can hopefully bring in about that need in the heart to go, you're right. This sucks. I want to move on. I want to change. I want to do this. And then, and then you know, God willing to listen to if we are the right person, we're not always the right person for everyone, but you hopefully you can then encourage them to go find the right person to get the help to make those changes in their life and move their business in the right direction. Love it. This has been a great conversation with you guys. I've really enjoyed this. And I know that those listening have also really enjoyed this. So we're going to have to do more of this for sure, because, man, like I said, I didn't get through half of my questions and Mm -hmm. uh, we could get, you know, cover a lot more ground. But for today, we're going to leave it right here because there's already so much good stuff in here to process and for all of us to take in. Before I let you guys go officially, because we're big fans, both personally and professionally of you guys. But for those out there listening, if they want to hear a little bit more from you, and again, they're loving your voice and what you're about, what's the easiest way to connect with you guys and get more of your voice? So we have a podcast called Lashcast. So you just type in Lashcast. We're on every major platform. We're at this point finally got everywhere. So you can just type that in on Google or on if you're listening on your phone, just look for your podcasting app that you're using. We're in there. So that's probably the best way. Otherwise, we have our Instagram at Lashcast just at Lashcast. And we also have our our conference called The Lash Conference. Super generic, but that's what we, the only one we could get. <laughs> Not everything we the wanted was taken. So The Lash Conference. But the irony about The Lash Conference is that it's not about lashes. It's all about business. So if you want to learn more about that, go to lashconference.com. And you can learn about that too. And otherwise, oh, if you want to ever email us, we, um, you can email us the best way is paul at lashcast.com. We answer our emails within 24 hours, generally speaking help people out. We're always here to support, especially the last industry, but the greater beauty industry too. And uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to reach us. Cool. All right. Well, this has been awesome. Again, appreciate your guys' time. We will certainly have more conversations in the future because again, you guys have great insights and always interested in what you guys have to share. But with that being said, we will wrap up our time for the day. Again, thank you for all that are listening in. Uh, We will talk to you all soon. Have a great day. Hey guys, guess what? We're done. That's it. That's a wrap. We are out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. By the way, don't just follow and share and review us. Go to Strategies now. Go check out their podcast and do the same. I promise it will be well worth it. On behalf of my Lash P. Tusney, as well as our special guest, Michael, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.